Well, if you're new with us today, we oftentimes teach in series, and I'm wrapping up a series today called Rooted. It's uh, uh, week number four. It's a four-week study through the book of Colossians, and I hope that all of you did the assignment that I gave you week number one, and that is to read the entire book of Colossians. I did it myself, and you're ready today. If you read chapter four this past week, we're going to dive in to chapter four of our series, Rooted. There's a friend of mine that has attended our church for over a decade, and their names are Bob and Shemaine, and they've become dear friends of Tiffany and I throughout the years, and I was actually friends with Bob's son, Robert. He was, he's, he was a preacher of the gospel before he, he died several years ago, and I remember when Bob and Shemaine first started attending People's Church. I had a conversation with Bob. And I asked Bob, Bob, how did you like People's Church when you first came? And he said, I, I liked People's Church. He says, now, I didn't like the music so much. He grew up in a, you know, just traditional church. And said, so I didn't really like the music. And so I was just kind of wondering about the church. He said, but let me tell you what happened to me. That very first Sunday at People's Church, and every Sunday since I've attended, when I came to the church that first Sunday, at the end of your message, you said, everybody, bow your head and close your eyes. And then you gave people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus. And you asked them to raise their hand. And I heard you say, I see that hand. I see that hand. He said, I know you told us to keep our eyes closed and to bow our heads. I see that hand. And I don't think Bob thought I was lying, but maybe. But so Bob said, what I did was I peeked up and I looked up just to see and I saw hands lifted. It was at that moment I said, this is my church home, a church that has a heart for reaching lost people. And every Sunday since I've attended, that has been the case. And he said this to me. Here's what, here's what rocked my world when he shared this story. He said, Pastor, because I believe the most important thing in my life is my own personal salvation and that I go to heaven. And he said, the second thing, Pastor, is that I'll take as many people with me as possible. And that messed me up. That he, he said that I was like, man, what a powerful statement. It's just, it's deep in my heart now that Bob, who's in his 70s, and Bob grew up and attended traditional churches. The first time he's ever had a black pastor, different kind of service, a congregation that's diverse. And Bob said, I will lay aside all my preferences because it's about reaching more people and seeing more people go to heaven with me. And not only his first black pastor, a black pastor that talks about eating chitlins. Come on, somebody. But that, 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 that touched my heart because I think a lot of Christians get off focus. I think a lot of churches get off focus. The things I see Christians and churches focused and arguing about. And we've forgotten what I've titled today the sermon's called The Main Thing. The Main Thing. And when you get to chapter 4, at the beginning of the chapter, that's what Paul talks about. The main thing, your own personal salvation and how many 
people will you take to heaven with you? And we're looking at chapter four of the book of Colossians. And, and the first thought that I want us to see as Paul just begins to, to write here in chapter number four is number one, pray for God to open doors to share Jesus. Pray for God to open doors to share Jesus. In Colossians chapter four and verse number three, he says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains in chains he says pray for us now, now Paul writes and he asked the church to pray that God would open up a door for him to share Jesus and and one of the things that I so respect about the apostle Paul was he was constantly looking for open doors to share his faith in Christ and church God wants you he wants me constantly praying on a daily basis and looking for open doors to share Jesus. And here's the truth. God is constantly opening doors for us to share our faith. But most people miss the open doors. Most people don't see the opportunities and the open doors that God has given them to talk about Christ. And what I want to just quickly do, let me give you three reasons people miss open doors. And, and I believe right now this might be one of the reasons that you're missing the open doors, the opportunities to share your faith. Here are three reasons people miss open doors. Number one, people think open doors are for others but not for them. There are some people that will say this, well, pastor, it's your job. To share Jesus with people. <laughs> it's not my job. I mean, that's why we have you. That's why we have the staff. It's your job to share Jesus, not understanding that every Christ follower, every Christian, is their job to share Jesus with others. Some people think that their faith is private, and so they're not looking for opportunities. I, I hear people say that to me. Well, my faith is, is, is private. My faith is, is personal, and they've compartmentalized their faith. Like their faith is over in this corner, and their job is over in this corner, and their family is over in this corner, and their hobbies are over in this corner, and their, their money is over in this corner. And, and, and so they got Jesus over in this little corner and church over in this little corner. You know, I got Jesus on Sundays, and I talk about him on Sundays for an hour but after that I'm done because then I go into the real world and not understanding Jesus doesn't want to be a part of a corner of your life Jesus wants to be involved in every aspect in every arena in every facet of your life come on we don't serve a part-time Jesus he wants to be full-time in our life. And that's why Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 14. You, come on, just look at your neighbor around you and just say you. If you're too scared to talk, point at them. Yeah, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house church our faith is personal but it's not private God has called all of us to be the light of the world 
Wherever we are, we're representing Jesus and we are called to be the light. I remember growing up in Wewoka, Oklahoma, and I remember they had a Sunday school bus that would pick us up uh, for Sunday school class. And I can even remember going to Sunday school class and even picking us up uh, in the summer to go to vacation Bible school. And I, I remember going to vacation Bible school and perhaps some of you will remember this moment as well. And in vacation Bible school, they taught me a little song and it went like this this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine let it shine let it shine all the time all around the neighborhood I'm going to let it shine all around the neighborhood. I'm going to let it shine all around the neighborhood. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine all the time. Let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. Come on, y'all remember that? I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Let it shine. And I'm afraid that Christians have let Satan out their light. Because at work, they don't ever share their faith. In the neighborhood, they don't ever talk about Jesus. At the ball game, they don't ever share their faith. And I believe is blowing out our light and causing us to be ineffective at sharing the most important thing, our personal salvation. And how many people can we take with us to heaven? Number two is this, a second reason people miss open doors is people get so consumed with their life I don't know about you. I think about my life every day and we all do and we get so focused on our life and our problems and our bills and our family and our work and our school and our issues that it consumes all of our prayers and, and all of our thinking and what motivates me when I read about the Apostle Paul. What inspires me, what challenges me is that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter when he was in a jail cell chained to a soldier and when the Apostle Paul requested prayer, he didn't say, would you pray for me because I'm stressed out in this prison. He didn't say pray for me that I can get out of these chains. I'm tired of being chained to this soldier. I need a little more freedom in this prison. He didn't say would you pray for my family. I haven't seen them in a while because I'm locked up in this prison. Pray for my family. He didn't even ask the church hey pray that I get out of this prison. That was not his prayer request at all. Matter of fact Paul you know what he said pray for? Pray that God would open a door for me to share the gospel. I got problems, but they don't compare to the problems that others have who don't know Jesus. So pray that God would open a door for me to share my faith with someone in church. We can get so busy, focused on our life and our issues and our problems, we spend all of our times praying for us. 
And there's nothing wrong. We ought to pray for ourselves and our bills and our kids and our grandkids, our, our school, our education, our problems. We ought to. But do you ever pray for lost people? No, I want you to really think about this. Do you pray daily and call people by name? Are you praying for your coworker? Are you calling that student by name at your school? Your family member who don't know Jesus, are you just kind of going through like, ah. I mean, do you really believe lost people are lost? And do you pray for them by name? Who are you going to pray for this week to show up for Easter services so their life can be transformed? We get so focused on our problems, we don't even pray for lost people. Here's a third reason we miss open doors. We miss open doors. People get so focused on earth, they lose sight of heaven. Boy, I can be guilty of this church. Uh, we, we get so focused on earth, we lose sight of heaven. And I love the Apostle Paul. He, he, his, he, he prayed and he, was, he spent his energy looking for open doors because he was so focused on heaven. Heaven was always on the forefront of his mind. As you read through his writings in the New Testament, he focuses so much on heaven. Let me just give you one example. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. He says, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. That's not what most Christians say. We're trying to figure out how we can live forever. Right now on earth with this body we got, he says, listen, I'm okay now. I'm cool with dying because it's even better because I'm going to heaven. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm wrestling. Should I die and go to heaven? Should I stay here on earth? But I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ. Focus so much on heaven, which would be a far better for me. But for your sake, it is better that I continue to live and Paul challenges me because he lived his life with heaven on the forefront of his mind. He said, and if I stay on this earth, it's for one sole purpose, that I would work for the Lord. Because there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. And I'm going to be looking for open doors to share my faith with others. And church, we get so focused on earth that we forget about heaven. And I want to say this to every Christian today. Right now, on this earth, no matter what you're facing, this is as bad as it gets. But for lost people, this is as good as it gets. I, I pray that God would heal you from every sickness and disease. But if you die of a sickness and disease and you're a Christian, you're going to heaven. This is as bad as it gets. I pray that you have plenty of money for retirement. But if you die broke, I'm going to tell you what, this is as bad as it gets. You're going to heaven. I pray that all of your relationships will flourish. But if you go and die and your relationships are horrible, this is as bad as it gets. You're going to heaven. But can I tell you for the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ, this is as good as it gets. If they got retirement and they never get sick and, and all of their relationships is good, good, this is as good as it gets. They spend eternity separated from a loving God. Heavenly Father, help us to live more with heaven on the forefront of our mind so that we're looking for open doors, so that we're looking for opportunities to share our faith. Because the only thing that really matters when it boils down is our own personal salvation and how many people we take to heaven with us.
Number two is this. I want us to see a second thing from this, this portion of scripture in, in Colossians chapter 4 that Paul teaches us about the main thing. And number two is this. Pray I am clear as I share my faith. I'm clear as I share my faith. Notice in Colossians chapter 4, that next verse, verse 4. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul said, I want you to pray for me. I'm requesting prayer from the church that you would pray that I share Jesus in a clear way. And you and I, as Christ followers, we realize we can't save anybody, but we can work hard at not confusing people when we share Jesus. You ought to make that a prayer request. Lord, help me by the way I live my life. Help me by the way I talk not to confuse people about Jesus. And Christians, the longer you're saved, the longer you know God, the longer you're a Christian, the more challenging it can become to connect with lost people right where they are and not confuse them. Because Christians tend to hang around other Christians. And then we come up with our own language that nobody else understands. And oftentimes when we talk to lost people, we can, it's like foreign language to them. Even when we say, you know, uh, I want you to get saved. They're like, saved from what? Well, I want you to be saved so that you can be righteous and holy. And I want you to experience the sanctification process of Jesus. I want you to experience the purity of the rhema word of God that will fill you as you understand the work of the paraclete and his work in eschatology. They're like, what are you talking about? And, and, and I just want to help you, church. As your pastor, I want to equip you. I want to help you clearly clearly share Jesus with people. If you care about this, would you grab a pen, get your phone, take some notes? Now, I think I'm going to say something that's going to help you to be more effective in sharing Jesus because the only thing that really matters is your salvation and how many people you take with you. Lord, help me share it clearly. Here's the first thing. Clearly know what lost people are thinking. Clearly know what lost people are thinking. And if you're here today and you're watching online, you don't know Jesus, and obviously I'm not speaking for every lost person, and we're so glad that you're here. You're so welcome here. I want you here. And today I'm equipping our church to connect better with people who don't know God, who don't believe what we believe, who don't share our faith. And I want to equip us to connect with people because I was connected with. Somebody connected with me right where I was. And so I want to train our church right now. He goes on to say in verse 5, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Be wise. It takes wisdom to reach lost people. In other words, you can't just, I'm just going to be me. Just do you. No. No, some of you doing you is turning people off. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. It takes wisdom. People that are so winners, they are some of the wisest people on the planet. It takes wisdom to effectively and clearly share Jesus with people, to present Jesus in a clear way to, to people who don't believe what you believe. And here's the key. You have, if you want to be wise, you have to meet people where they are, not where you are. Let me give you four discoveries about, about lost people. I used to be lost. I, I talk to people who don't know the Lord and don't believe what we believe. 
And here's what I've learned and discovered. And the first is this. Most people have a wrong picture of God. I know I sure did. I had a wrong picture of God. It it took me years even after coming to Christ to get a right picture of God. Because the way God was presented to me. Mean, he's angry. He wanted to kill me. Going to go to hell. I got saved every altar call. I was just scared. You know what I mean, God? And if you don't believe lost people don't have a right view of God, just go out and ask them. You're just not talking. Just go out and talk to somebody who doesn't believe what you believe and say, tell me what you think about God. And rarely will you hear somebody say, well, he's loving. He's kind. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's a God of second chances. He's for me. He has a wonderful plan for my life. You rarely hear people have that kind of image of God. And you got to be able to meet people right where they are. Here's a second discovery about lost people, and that is this. Most people have a wrong picture of Christians. They have a wrong picture of the church. And unfortunately, a lot of us Christians, a lot of churches haven't helped out the view of, of, of church and, and Christians. And, and so, so when you talk to people who don't believe what we believe, they, they don't go to church, most of them, if you go out and say, what do you think about the church? Most of them will not say, you know what, church people are so nice. And they're so kind, and they're so gracious, and they're so merciful, and they're so embracing and, and loving. No, no, m- m- most unchurched people, if you go talk to them about the church, their view of the church, their view of Christians is they're condemning. They're judgmental. Y'all don't even get along with each other. You're just so divided. You, know, you, you, you don't even like each other. You're angry. You're hostile. You're like, well, you want to go to church? Not really, because I know i got to have my act together to go to church because most people, when they think about church, they don't believe it's an environment where it's okay not to be okay. They believe they got to put on a show and come a certain way just to even step into the doors of a church. Here, here's a third discovery about lost people. If you're going, you got to be wise. You got to know what lost people are thinking. You got to know what lost people are. I was lost, and I still hang around people that, that don't believe what I believe. And, and, and here's what I, I, I've learned is most people want to know God but they don't know that they want to know God. Most people want to know God, but they don't know that they want to know God. You see, every one of us has this God spot. And and when you don't know God, you know you're missing something, but you don't know what it is. I was missing something, and I was seeking after it through girls and attention and and sports. and I mean, in high school, I, I was seeking after so many things. And people in life, they're seeking. They they have this empty spot, and they don't even know that, man, that's a God spot. And here's what I've learned. If you will connect with a person who doesn't know the Lord and meet them at that spiritual spot and then feed it, their spiritual spot might be their job. Their spiritual spot might be their kids. Their spiritual spot might be their grandkids. Their spiritual spot might be their career. Their spiritual spot might be they lack purpose. Their spiritual spot might be their grandkids. Their spiritual spot. I mean, people, everybody has this spiritual spot, and they're trying to fill it. And if you can meet people at the level of their spiritual spot and begin to feed it and begin to add value to them, you'll be able to help lead people to Christ. But understand this. Most people want to know God. Number four says, here's the fourth discovery about lost people, is most people will come to church on Easter if they are asked. Most people, did you realize that seven out of ten people will come if they're asked? And church, I don't say this to try to condemn you or to convict you in any way. I just want to be, just be real as your pastor. Did you, did you realize that most Christians, not just people, church, most Christians around America have never shared their faith? I mean, 90% of Christians 
never actually share, if they've never led anybody, they've never tried to lead anybody to the Lord. I mean, that's most Christians. They never say, man, do you know, God changed me and, and he changed my life. And I think he wants to do the same for you. Most Christians, most Christians never invite anyone to church who doesn't know Jesus. And you'll never understand people's church and what we do until you invite a friend or a family member who doesn't know Jesus and they're sitting next to you. Because I'll tell you, you pray different. You invite your friend or family who doesn't know you and they sit next to you like, preacher, pa- pastor, please say something that makes sense. Please, please don't be, don't be weird. Don't, don't be weird up there. Don't be going two and a half hours now. Y'all, don't be, y'all won't be, I mean, I'm telling you, you will never get it until you actually invite somebody who doesn't know the Lord. And that's what this Easter is all about. I want to equip you. And here's the best way to do it. I want to, you got to be wise how you do it. It's intimidating for people to come to church, especially if you don't believe what we believe. It's intimidating if you already believe what we believe. You know, to show up to a church the first time, like, I don't know anybody, what they're going to do, what I sit, what's the protocol. But when you don't know, you can ease their attention. Here's how you do it. You just say, hey, which service do you want to come to? Here's one of my invite cards, and we have these services. Now, if you're not inviting anybody, you come to Saturday uh, Saturday service, or you come to the first service or the last service, but you're inviting somebody because we got to make room. But if you're inviting somebody, you let them pick. And they say, hey, I'll meet you here at this time. You tell them what time. You tell them where to meet you. And you say, hey, you're going to sit with me. I'm telling you, they'll be so at ease to realize, huh, am I going to show up to a new place? Don't know where to go. Don't know what to do. What to do. I don't know the protocol, but you're going to sit with me. You, it will help you effectively help somebody come to church to meet Jesus. So let me give you a second thing, a second thing about clear. We got to present it clearly. We got to be clear in sh- sharing Jesus. Number two is this. Clearly build relationships and maximize opportunities. Let me equip your church. Clearly build relationships and maximize opportunities. He goes on to say in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunities. And one of the ways that you be wise with outsiders, people who do not believe what we believe, is build a relationship with them. And then look for opportunities to share the love of Jesus. Remember this, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so you gotta care for people. You gotta build a relationship with them and then invite them to church. Most people come to faith in Christ through a relationship, through a relationship. I came to faith in Christ because my coach invited me to the football locker room that Thursday night and I went because I trusted him and my life was forever changed. I'm curious, how many of you came to faith, somebody invited you to church, they shared their faith with you, it was through a grandma or a grandpa or an uncle and, and, and mom or dad, but somebody shared Jesus or invited you to a service online, just show me by a, a, a hand-raised emoji right now, in the buildings, all the campuses, would you just let me know, how many of you came to faith through a relationship? Just, I want you just to look around, just see the majority of hands are up, that, that most people came to faith through, a, I'm telling you, the power you have through your relationships. I just want you to realize you have more influence than you realize to share Jesus with people through a relationship. A month ago, I had an opportunity to go to John Maxwell's home. Uh, John Maxwell is one of the best leaders in the world, has authored some of the most profound leadership books. And I was deeply impacted by John Maxwell. Matter of fact, he signed this, his leadership Bible for me, and I already have one. This is the one I'll never read. I'm going to just keep that one. You know what I'm saying. I got, a, got one by John Maxwell signed, and, and then it was so impactful, he prayed for me. 
He laid hands on me and prayed over me. And it was just a powerful moment as John Maxwell deposited into my life. And, and one of the things that John Maxwell taught me was about evangelism. He's so successful. Multi, 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 multi-millionaire, best-selling author, just so many times a best-selling author. And I sat there with, with tears in his eyes. He's, I, I sat there listening to him, and he's crying, talking about reaching lost people talking about what really matters in his in his 70s and all he could talk about is we gotta reach we gotta reach lost people and he said something to me and it clicked and it helped me and here's what he taught me about connecting with lost people he said you connect on the similarities not the differences he says i don't know anyone who came to christ because someone argued with them and debated with them and beat them up good he said, no, 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 no. He said, you find the 1% you agree and give it 100% 100% of your effort. Here's what he said. Find the 1% you agree on and give it 100% of your effort. He understood a relationship. You clearly build a relationship. Listen, not, they, they may not agree on 99% of other things, but just that one issue, I'm going to find that one thing we agree on, and I'm going to find that common ground. It might be around your favorite sports team. It might be around your favorite food, your favorite restaurant. It might be around your kids. It might be around your grandkids. It might be around your school. It might be around your, your friends. It might be around your career. It might be around your money. It might be around stress. I'm going to find that one thing to connect with you with, just to build a bridge, just to build a relationship. And here's what John Maxwell taught me. He add value to them. If you will add value, add value, add value to that relationship, add value to that spot, add value to their marriage, add value to their parenting, add value to their career, add value to their stress. Just meet them right there, that one, and just add value. Give it 100% of your effort. And then you'll be able to help lead them to Jesus Christ. Because relationships matter. And you are probably not going to argue and scream at people and get them to come to faith in Christ. Find the 1% you agree on and give it 1% of your, 100% of your effort and add value to lead people to Christ. Number three is this. Number three is this. Church, we got to be clear. It takes wisdom. Let me help you. The third is clearly share your story. Clearly share your story. I like how the New Living Translation says this in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, let your conversation, that next verse, let your conversation be gracious. Remember talking about outsiders and attractive. Come on, everybody shout attractive. Y'all didn't shout, shout attractive. Come on, I need about five people online watching me right now. Just write the word attractive. That's a key word, attractive. He said, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. And when you share your story with others, you want to make it attractive, gracious, and attractive. Here what, here's what I've learned. You've got to have a one to two minute version of you, how Jesus saved you, how, of your salvation story. Most people is not attractive if you take 10 or 15 minutes to tell your story. Come on, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you're in a rush and they're talking and you're giving all the body language like and they just keep talking? He's like, do you not have emotional IQ? I'm trying to go. So you, you got to have, listen, people oftentimes don't want to hear a 10 or 15 minute version of your story. That's not very attractive. 
So you need to have a two-minute or less version of your story. And here's how you make it attract- attractive. You got to give your testimony, not your testimony. So many Christians are not transparent. We're not vulnerable. You know, when I met the Lord, I was good. He made me great. No, that's not you. were broke, busted, and disgusted. Come on, tell the truth. Tell your real story. Like, take a, t- tell your real story. It's attractive to people. So, so I, I can attract you right now. I, I, tell my, I can tell my story in a minute, minute and a half. I say, I, I talk to somebody, he says, man, you know what? I, um, I sexually abused at the, age of, at the age of 13. I spiraled into sexual addiction, pornography addiction. My parents got divorced. I was bitter. I was angry. I was confused. And, and one day, I heard about a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting at the fo- football locker room in Wewoka. And I didn't really want to go. But they were serving free pizza. <laughs> and I went there that night for pizza. And the former football player for the OU Sooners, Todd Thompson, the former kicker, he sat in a chair and he told me about Jesus, that he died on the cross and he rose again and he could change my life. And that night, I can't even explain it to you. I can just tell you, I believed what he said, and I trusted Jesus with my life. And he changed me. So he changed me. I'm different. So, so, so I was vulnerable. I was transparent. I, I, I told about the, the, the before. I was a mess. I was a mess. I was a mess. And then I told life change, like a minute and a half. Men and a half. You got to get your story down to an elevator pitch. You got you to get your story vulnerable. You got to get your story attractive. I see people weep when I tell my story. I see because it's attractive. I'm not, I'm not giving you a test of baloney. I'm giving you, I was sexually abused. I, I was in pain. I was messed up. But Jesus rescued me. Share your story. Oh, but pastor, pastor, I hear you. But you speak for a living. You, you preach. You, you're used to talk. Pastor, you know the Bible. I don't know the Bible like you know the Bible. Listen, don't allow what you don't understand about God to keep you from sharing what you already do understand. Just share your story. Come and see what God's done for me. He can do it for you. Just come and just the come and see approach. I love what Psalm chapter 66 and verse 5 says. Come and see. That's what you got to do. Just come and see. Come and see what our God has done. What awesome miracles he performs for people. Just come and see my church. Come and see how God's changing lives. Come and see how he's changing people. Just come and see. Would you come with me? John chapter 1 and verse 39. Come and see, Jesus said. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained, remained with him the rest of the day. You see what happened? The people wanted to know where Jesus was staying. You know what Jesus said? Come and see. Just come and see. And then they spent the entire day with Jesus. I love the woman at the well, John chapter 4 and verse 29. Jesus, the woman at the well said this. She went back to her, her hometown and she said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Just come and see. She went and just went and told folks, come and see. Come and see. And that's what you're going to do. Why we put those Easter cards in your seat is to say, come and see. Don't throw them in the trash. Don't leave them there. This is a tool for you. Don't leave them in the parking lot in your car. Come on, take them and put them in your back pocket, in your purse. and, and, and Keep them visible in your car, in your ashtray area where you remember and you see somebody. And just say, hey, would you come and see? We have an extravaganza for Easter for the kids. Just come and see. 
I think God has something for your kids. Would you just come and see? Easter, my pastor's doing an illustrated message. And I just want to invite you. Would you just, just come and see? Our social media package online, on your app, and on the website. If you will go there, you'll see an Easter at People's Church section. Click on it. And you will see social media downloads. Now, would you do this? Would you share as many graphics as possible this week on your social media? Be a digital evangelist and use your social media platform to share those invites. The extravaganza, the Easter video you already seen. Share, share all the invite tools. It's right there on social media, on the app and on the website. Just come and see, come and see, come and see. And here's what happened. Because one woman ran back to the town and said she was bold enough to say, come and see. Here's the results of it. Verse 39 in John chapter 4. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. When they came out to see, they asked actually went to church they actually showed up where Jesus was when they came out to see him they begged him to stay in their village so he stayed for two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe then they said to the woman now we believe not just because of what you told us but because we have heard him for ourselves now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world one woman said come and see an entire village was transformed by the power of god you've got a story you've got a testimony this week go tell some folks come and see the god who set me free from drugs come and see the god who set me free from addictions come and see the God who set me free from depression come and see the God who's given me joy come and see the God when I was dead he brought me back to life come and see the God when I was blind now I see come and see the God who took the shackles off my life come and see the God who's given me joy come and see the God who's given me peace come and see come and see come and see and watch how God will use your story you're the light of the world don't shrink back don't be scared God I pray the Holy Spirit would flood hearts and minds give them the boldness to invite I pray in Jesus name right there in your seat at all of our locations online don't leave don't sign off this is a holy moment would you begin to pray right now for lost people that you know by name for God to save them for Easter. Would you begin to pray for people that you're going to invite that God will soften their heart? Would you pray for our Easter services right now for next weekend? Come on right now. Would you say, Waymaker, I pray. Save and call them by name. Lord, move and touch. Touch our Easter services. Save people who don't know you. Come on, as we sing this song, everybody praying, everybody praying, everybody calling out for your lost family members, your lost friends, your lost coworkers. Come on, intercede and pray for them to be saved. Come on. Come on, Midwest City, pray. Come on, Northwest, pray. Come on, online, pray. Come on, Oklahoma City, everybody pray. Intercede, pray. Lord, 
I pray right now for our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. Use us. Use us this week. Use us in the weeks to come to share our faith, to invite people to services. And God, we pray for their salvation. Lord, may it stir in our hearts. The most important thing is our salvation and how many people we take with us. Burn it in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name.